Heart is now yours. 
Thank mm-hmm. you. 
sure, but it's also a time of celebration because Jesus said we're going to do this till he comes back. And it's also a time when we believe that the Holy Spirit is here in a special way. Jesus is partaking with us today. So as we partake together, whatever your need might be, make sure you lift it to him. We'll pray for some special requests later. And then right after communion, the elders will be uh, at the altar. The leadership will be here for prayer. If you feel like you need a special prayer, a special touch in your body, or something in your life, feel free to come down. They will pray with you uh, here at the altar. Apostle Paul said that he delivered unto us the same thing that the Lord had given him, that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this body. We thank you for that broken body. What an incredible thought it is to think that brokenness leads to wholeness, that being broken makes you correct. It doesn't make any sense to us, but that's the way your kingdom works. And we're so glad that Jesus was allowed, he allowed himself to be broken first so that the rest of humanity could be unbroken. So we pray for that unbrokenness in our own spirit. Whatever we need this morning, we lift it to you, Father, and we, by faith, receive your healing and your touch in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together.
Oh,
is now starting to go around. We want to remember the Hickmans, both Gary and Glenn, that are, uh, Glenn is still recovering from knee surgery and some infection in that knee, and uh, also for Gary, which uh, I, last I heard, I believe, is a kidney infection or a, uh, yeah, kidney infection of some kind, a bladder infection. He's, I guess, doing better, but just still not feeling totally up to par as well. Um, we want to remember Destiny as well, uh, just keep her in prayer for possible brain surgery or neck surgery that she has to undergo. Uh, and I know I'm sure there are many others. Let's just lift these to the Lord. Father, we just thank you so much that you are near. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You're near. You're here right now. So, Father, we claim that touch in Jesus' name. We speak healing to all of these bodies, whether they be in hospitals or in home, recovering, wherever it might be. We ask for your strength, your healing, your deliverance in Jesus' name. We thank you that you're still a healing God control of every part of our lives. We thank you for what you're going to do in each of these lives. We thank you again for uh, seeing Kathy in the dire, the wonderful homegoing service we had yesterday here at the church, the graduation, commemoration service for our brother Phil. We're glad that he needs no prayer anymore. He's, he's complete, and we're so glad for that. We're all heading that direction. Until then, we thank you for your strength, your touch, your healing, your deliverance, and we need you now more than ever. We thank you, Father. For that and we receive it in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Everybody, Lord, just give Lord praise. Could you do that?
are seen, but of the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. How in the world do you look at something that is not seen? It's a good trait, right? We as believers, of course, can do that through the Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm also going to touch on Matthew, the 16th chapter. You know the story about Peter uh, and uh, declaring that Jesus was uh, the Son of God and then the things that after that happened. I won't get to that in a moment. But this is going to be somewhat of a maybe mystical message, um, sort of mixed with a bit of a challenge, I guess, for all of us, uh, seeing that it's communion. And this is a part of communion is when we get a little introspective when we want to look at ourselves and take a spiritual inventory many times. And so I'll try not to get too spooky on you here, uh, but we'll try to keep it down to earth. But uh, part of this has to do with the definition of, of holiness and in our lives. And I, I actually jotted it down here from the song, a couple of the songs that uh, they were singing. Lord, uh, I need you. I need you. Every hour I need you. And the one line is, holiness is Christ in me. That's, boy, that is such a good definition of what holiness is. Holiness is not a list of do's and don'ts. Holiness is not how you look or don't look. Holiness is not what you wear or don't wear. But holiness is Christ in me and then me walking that relationship with Jesus out, listening to him. So my holiness is not going to be your holiness. Your holiness is not going to be my holiness. Uh, we're all working together toward what Jesus wants to do in each of our lives, and then we'll see that holiness come to bear. And that's why holiness is also progressive. Uh, I believe that I am more sanctified now than I was two years ago. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, if, if I'm listening to his voice, and I'm in the Word, I'm quote-unquote holier now than I was in my walk two years ago, but I'm not nearly as holy as I'm going to be as I keep progressing, and someday, when I drop this flesh, <laughs> oh, what a day that's going to be. Someday when I drop this flesh, then I will be perfectly holy in Him. So it's a progressive thing. And I believe that all of us in this room want to move into the place that God has for us. For every believer, we're always seeking more perfect uh, or more perfect uh, walk. We're looking for a deeper relationship. We're looking for a more profound sensitivity to His Spirit. We're looking for more obedience to His Word. We're, we're all looking for that. We, we want to be that. And many times, it is downright frustrating for David Brazili to deal with David Brazili. Right. I know, I know you all agree. You, you all say, yes, it is really frustrating for me to deal with David Brazili. <laughs> it's frustrating for insert name here to deal with insert name here, right? It's frustrating. And, and so that's why when we talk about holiness and we talk about sanctification uh, and, and we talk about looking at the visible and invisible, it's easy for us to move in one of two directions when we, when we talk about holiness. We can either move into hyper-holiness, which is extreme self-regulation, self-denial, self-abasement, all of those kind of things, and, and to, to walk a certain way and do a certain thing. And what's the old saying? I don't smoke or chew and don't hang around with folks that do. You know, we can, we can try to get into that mode of holiness. And all those things do is make you a miserable, good person. That's all they do. A legalistic approach will not bring about holiness. It usually only breeds a dry, dead religiosity. And you'll realize at the end that you will end up just as sinful, just as bound, and just as miserable, and deep inside, you're still disgusted with your own hypocrisy. Right. So that's not holiness. That's not what we want. On the other side, you go to the other extreme, and you can create this lazy spirituality, I'll give up, I'll never be what God wants me to be kind of mindset, and it's a mind that gives up, it yields, and that just allows you to slowly just slide back into the things of the world, and that's not what we want either. Both are wrong. So I'm going to try to explain a middle-of-the-road approach to this thing that we can sort of walk out in our own lives in the days ahead, and it, it's the kind of approach that you are going to constantly have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You're going to constantly have to be in the Word. You're going to constantly have to just be listening every moment of the day. Father, speak to me. Let me hear your voice. Let me know what's inside, what I need to be doing. So it's this, it's a, it's a nurturing kind of attitude. It's a building kind of attitude. So that's what we see in 
lives, we're going to see. And it takes a conscious effort for us as believers to stop concentrating on what we see and keep concentrating on what we feel and sense in our heart by the Spirit or the Word. Concentrate on the Word. So I have this, this ruler right here, and uh, I'm going to think, let me see, I'm roughly six foot. My arm is a couple feet. So I'm going to say this is 10 feet up. I want you to imagine an imaginary 10-foot line going from above the speaker there to this speaker over here. There's this line that's going across, and every time I use a yardstick, I think of a good friend of mine talked about smacking when I was learning to drive tractor trailers. Those of you who have ever done that, you know how, how confusing it is to back up and put the trailer where it's supposed to go. And I remember he's a dear brother of the Lord, uh, many, many years of, of driving. And when we would practice in parking lots, he would, he would stand in front of the tractor. And, and since you could hardly see him, he would take a ruler and he'd just keep smacking the wheel. Yeah. No, other way, other way. <laughs> so this is what I think about when I think of this. But I'm not going to smack. This is, this is a line. So we have our imaginary line about four, five, six feet over my head, okay? And so that's the line we're going to talk about. And we're going to, and we're going to try to realize that above that line, is the spiritual realm. Above that line is the realm of the Holy Spirit. It's the realm of heaven, if you want to call it that, the angelic realm, that spirit realm. Below the line are all the things which are visible, temporary, and passing away. So above the line are all the permanent things, which never pass away. Below the line, that you can never get above that line physically, are all the things that pass away and are temporary. The car you drove in here today, the breakfast you ate this morning, the clothes you have on now, the newspaper that you read, the gas that you pumped into your car, the doorknob you turned and locked to leave your house, the desk that you're going to sit at tomorrow, the assembly line or the school desk, whatever, the shoes you put on, all below the line. Everything is below the line. It's all visible. When you leave your husband or wife to kiss them and go to work, when you hug your child, when you trip over the rug, it's all below the line. When you cut your grass, when you fix your gutter, when you talk about the browns with your neighbor and get really depressed, it's all below the line. It's everything under the line visible. Whatever you see, whatever you hear, whatever you touch is all under the line. And it's all passing away. It is all a vapor that's going. The only things that ever will be left will be the things above the line that we can't see. And it's hard for us to understand that, isn't it? Yeah. That all the visible is passing away, but all the invisible is staying forever. But that's the way it is. Whatever you see, touch, taste, or feel. Everything that you learn from the time you took your first breath, all under the line. Every locker room joke, under the line. Every little girl fantasy, under the line. Every person you dated, under the line. Every car you bought, under the line. Every concept you learned in high school and college, under the line. Everything you've ever learned on this earth is under the line. How to study, how to create, how to draw, how to write, whatever. All under the line. Should I go on or you get the picture? We are in the world, but not of the world. And therein lies our great problem, correct? We've been inundated with teaching and preparation on how to live under the line. We know everything about living under the line. We know all about banking and finances and saving and spending and credit cards and credit card debt. We know everything under the line. We've been taught our whole lives. But our goal is to live above the line. That's the hard part. It's not only our goal to just look across the line. We don't want to just every now and then. We don't, we don't want to come to church on Sunday and feel some goosebumps and, and say, oh, cool, I saw above the line. That was a pretty song they sang. We don't, we don't, we don't, no, no, no. We want to learn to live above the line. And that's a journey for all of us. That's why many are called, but few are chosen, Jesus said. I believe the Lord is looking for people who will not just look past the line. They won't just gaze over the line every now and then. But they're saying, I want to live above that line, Jesus. I, I want to move across that line. My body might be trapped here, but my spirit has to be above that line. And
And, and I believe one of the greatest examples of this in Scripture, before we even get to how to do this, is the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler? He had three strikes against him. He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. Young ruler is not good. Old ruler may be better. But he was a rich young ruler, and he came and said to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, uh, do the law, do the commandments. And he said, oh, I've done all those my whole life. I've done all of them. Now, of course, we know that's a lie. He was, he was looking at him above the law, across the line, but he wasn't doing it. And Jesus said, well, here's what you need to do. You need to give everything away, all the, the riches that you have, given to the poor. Now, Jesus really didn't want him to do that. Because we know that giving away everything you have to the poor just makes you poor, so now we have another whole subset of poor people. So that's not the solution. You say, well, what did Jesus do? Jesus was, in essence, saying to him, good, you did all that. Now, here's what I want you to do. Move your treasure across the line so that I can take control of it. Ooh, boy. Move it across the line so when I need something, I can say to your spirit, give that to that person. Take care of that poor person. Help that person over there. Do this for that person. Move it across the line. Oh, wow. And he said, boy, I, I, I see that. I see the line. But I don't know if I want to move everything across the line, Jesus. I, uh, how about I give you 10%? Or how about I, I dedicate my baby on Sunday? Or how about I do this? Or how about I just go to church? And Jesus said, no, no, you've got to move it all across the line. I'm sorry. And he turned and walked away sad. Across the line. That's our goal. There's a necessity that we move across the line. One of the primary verses, of course, of moving across the line is Matthew 6.33. You all know it by heart. You've got to seek when? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added. If I could put it in perspective of today's message, seek first everything across the line. And then all the things under the line will be added to you. Don't reverse it. Don't seek first everything down here and wait for that thing to happen. Won't happen. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the clothes and the car and the job and everything else will come with it because God will make sure that you get it all. That's kind of God we serve. So seek first the Christ. And notice that this is not a request of Jesus. This is a command. It's, it's seek first. He's telling you, here's what we do. Seek the invisible for all your strength, your ability, your security, and then the visible will become a reality. And that is so strange to us. And so foreign to us because we're so bound by what we see and hear and know and touch and taste and feel. We've been taught from infancy the rules and regulations of how to operate in this realm. And it's so hard for us to shake it off. And every now and then we pop across the line and we look and go, happily, I see it. And then it seems like we fall right back down. Good example of this, Matthew, the 16th chapter. You can read it when you go home. Peter did the same thing, didn't he? Jesus came to the disciples. He said, who then say that I am? And they gave all sorts of answers. And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And probably, probably everybody just gasped all around and like, Peter, how could you be that smart? <laughs> how could you possibly know that? And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, what you just saw was across the line. The Spirit spoke from across the line to your heart, and he gave you instruction. Then, we all know what happened. Jesus then told, told the disciples, now here's what's going to happen to me. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be delivered up, and I'm going to be put to death. And Peter rebuked him. Isn't that wonderful when we rebuke God? Peter rebuked him and said, that is never going to happen to you, Jesus. I won't let it happen. And Jesus said, you don't know what, what's happening right now. You're possessed of the evil one. Get thee behind me, Satan. And, and he says, which is very interesting, he says, because of, of, of your desires, you have become my adversary, Jesus said. And he said, well, what happened there? I'll tell you exactly what happened. When he rebuked Jesus, he, he did it because he said, Jesus, I see who you are. You're the Son of God. You're the anointed one. And it is through you that the Romans are going to be defeated, that Rome is going to fall, and Israel will be brought into power, and your kingdom's going to come on earth, and we're going to have victory, and we're all going to sit on your right and left hand, and we're going to rule. We're going to have a big church. We're going to have a great 
understand what's coming. You don't understand the eternal principles that are at work here. You're savoring not the things of God. You're savoring the things of man, Jesus said. Your heart is on the wrong side of the line. You've got to cross over to the other side. Get on God's side and not man's side. So Jesus said, the first thing we've got to do, if we're going to get across that line, it's going to take every moment of every day seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not the church, not a pastor, not a teaching, not a thing. Seeking Jesus. And, and the other thing about this line that, that is above my head here is that this is the place where we all came from and where we're all going. Did you know that you are already in eternity? You're already there. You're, you're, you're not going to pass away. You're not going to die. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that is alive and believes in me shall never die. It, you're already there. Oh yeah, your body is going to stay below the line and it's going to rot and it's going to turn to ash and, and then eventually he'll take that and we'll bring it back together at the end of the age and make you a glorified being. But, but, but for now it's going to stay down here. You, you, you are not going to pass away. You're either going to reside in heaven or hell, but you are now in this game for good. There is no getting off this carousel. Please stop the world and let my dog Right what would happen? We're in it. You're in it now forever. So now we've got to make the choice. Okay, well, how am I going to do this? I can either learn to live below the line and suffer the consequences, or I can learn to live above the line where I'm headed anyway, so for the next trillion years, I'll be reaping the benefits of what I did here for a measly 30, 40, 50, 70 years, and I'll have it there. So we're all going there. Everything we have comes from eternity and is going back to eternity. That's why the word is so important. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through the one that is abiding above the line right now. Anytime I need any strength, I can go above the line. Anytime I need any endurance, I can go above the line. Anytime I need any healing, I can go above the line. Anytime I need any security in my life, I can go above the line. Every time I'm afraid, I can go above the line. Every time I'm confused, I can go above the line. I can get my eyes off of this stuff down here and stop trying to figure it out, and I can go across the line. And that's where my answer is. Every time. That's why he must increase and I must decrease. Or, to put it in our sermon today, take that line that's 10 feet in the air, and as he increases and I decrease, the goal is to have that line come down to 9 feet, and 8 feet, and 7 feet, and 6 feet, and 5 feet. Actually, you could probably stop that line right at your neck, couldn't you? Because 99% of our problems are in our head. Yeah. <laughs> if we could just get our head across the line and start thinking right. <laughs> Shoulders and belly and knees won't really matter anymore, but our brain. When I'm weak, I become strong. Well, how? If your body is weak down here, how do you become strong? Across the line. The strength is not down here. The strength is across the line. <laughs> I, always, I always say, when I watch the Olympics or watch things like that, just think to myself, there is no possible way in my life that I can ever even get, just think, you, there, there's probably nobody in this room right now, I'm looking at you all, you're all old. <laughs> if you wanted to, even you young ones, if you wanted, even if your heart's desire was to be at the Olympics five years from now, you could never do it. I hate to, I hate to burst your bubble. You could never do it. Impossible. And, and, and so the answer is not down here. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? If you find your life down here, you're going to lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you're going to gain it. In other words, if you maintain and find your life on this side of the line, you're eventually going to lose it. But if you put all that you are in your life on the other side of the line, you're going to find out a whole new existence of life that will come to you. So now you say, okay, now you made your point. Major point, we get it. Our goal is to live across the line. And, and let me just tell you right now, it goes downhill from here. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the four tough questions that you're gonna ask. You say, Well, how do I live across the line? How do I test it? 
questions. No, I'm sorry. They're very simple questions. They are not very easy questions, but they are simple questions. And these are questions that all of us have to ask all the time. The first question is, to determine which side of the line you're on is, the first question is, how do I look? How do I look? Am I really concerned about what people see when they look at me? Is my appearance what guides my life? How do I look? What's my reputation like? What do people think of me? The way I look and the way I act, do I curry people's favor? Do I make people feel good? How do I look? Jesus, doesn't the word say that he had no form or comeliness that anyone should desire anything of him? He was lowly. He was a tender shoot out of dry ground. He even said, would you come out of the wilderness to see? Would you come when you came to see me? I always like my wife, and actually started with my mother-in-law, that whenever she sees a movie or a picture, because you know, whenever Jesus is, whenever they show a Bible video, a Bible movie, Jesus is always good looking. Right? He's always a good looking British actor. I didn't know Jesus had a British accent, but he's always a good looking British accent actor. And she will always say, that's not my Jesus. I don't believe that Jesus was good looking. I believe he was normal. I believe he was just a guy. Because there was nothing that would draw people to him other than the Holy Spirit. And that's the way you've got to be. So the first question is, how do I look? Am I over-concerned about my appearance and about the things in my life? And my car has to always be that shiny? And my possessions have to always look like that? And I always have to have the highest bank account? And I always have to have the best of this or that? I always have to try to impress people. How do I look? Second question is, how does it feel? How does it feel? Does it feel good? Am I comfortable in it? Or does God want to push me out of my comfort zone? And does God want to move me into something else? And again, we can get really down into this unnecessarily. But the Christian walk has an incredible joy in it. A joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. It has peace in it that is unsurpassable. Peace that passes our understanding. But how many know that there are many times in our walk it doesn't feel good? It doesn't feel good to forgive somebody that has hurt us. It doesn't feel good to pray for those who are persecuting us. It doesn't feel good for us to give a cup of water to our enemy. That doesn't feel good. And too many times we've been trapped in our feelings. And our feelings will destroy us from moving across the line. How's everybody doing? Pretty good today?
You know what? Let me let me get let me give you a little bit of uh, help with that though. When you give, it will be given back to you. Jesus said, "Pressed down, shaken together, and running over." Men are going to the King James pour into your bosom. Wow! <laughs> wow! So, what will I get? Bigger question. Above the line is, what can I give? What can I give? So, how do I look? How does it feel? What will I get? And here's the last one. And I told you, we're at rock bottom now, so let's just go all the way. Who is to blame? Who is to blame? If you're asking the question, who is to blame, you're below the line. Sorry. Do I point my finger to relieve my guilt? Am I worried about being right or wrong? Am I worried about being offended all the time? Hmm. <laughs> Who is to blame? Can you imagine if Jesus played the blame game? He, he could have come down, and he could have come down, and he could have, could have magically spoken to the entire world, and he could have said, okay, every human being on earth listen to me now. I'll tell you how this all started. A stupid chick named Eve. <laughs> a dumb guy named Adam that didn't do what he was supposed to be doing. And then let me go through all of history with all of the stupid choices you've all made. Yeah. It was not my fault ever, Jesus could have said. Never. It was all you guys. What in the world were you thinking? <laughs> David, what were you thinking with Bathsheba? Abraham, what were you thinking with Hagar? What in the world were you guys thinking? Didn't do that, did he? He came, and without saying a word, he took all the blame. How many want to be a follower of Jesus? He took all the blame. Every bit of it. Every bit of sin. All of our failures. All of our stupid mistakes. All of our dumb words. Everything. Time that we turned our back against him. He took it all. And he took the blame. So when you ask the question, who's the blame? You're probably living. Can you imagine, can you imagine in politics in the United States, if everybody stopped blaming each other and we all started working on the solution? If we all stopped blaming the previous administration and the previous administration and the previous mayor and the previous governor and the previous, 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 and we all said, you know what, you know what, there's enough blame to go around for me, let's stop blaming and let's start fixing the problems. Yeah. You would, wow, that's, that's so far above the line. <laughs> Now they believe us for the new heaven and the new earth. So how you answer those four questions will determine which side of the line you live on. And that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, Paul says, presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. Living. That means not 12 hours a day, not 22 hours a day, but 24 hours a day. A living sacrifice which is acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, or as, as the words literally say, your spiritual worship. And that we would bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every day, asking ourselves these questions, Lord, I don't, I don't want to live down here. I don't want to carry this. I don't want to carry that. I don't and you know what, folks, this, this is a little tougher sermon, but there's a wonderful side to this message, you know. The wonderful side to this message is that if you learn to live below the line this way, you will have such a free life. Oh, say amen. amen. You'll have a free life. You'll have a worry-free life. You'll have a life where you won't have any cares because you've cast all your cares upon him and he's taking care of you from above the line and you can just rest in him. It's a wonderful life. Filled with peace that passes understanding. But to get there, the flesh is in the way every time. In the way every time. 
Christ. Father, I thank you for these words, starting with the Apostle Paul, who knew what it was like to battle the visible realm, the frustrations that he faced. We, we, we have not experienced hardly a tiny bit of what even the Apostle Paul experienced, let alone Jesus. But the times that he was forsaken by his own people, the times that he was beaten with rods, cast outside the city, stoned with stones, chased from this city to that city, shipwrecked, floating at sea, all for the gospel. He could have, he could have asked a lot of questions. He could have tried to place a lot of blame. He could have talked about his feelings a lot. He could have talked about all his hurts and anxieties and pressures. But instead, he was very clear when he said, we do not look on the outward that is perishing. We look on the inward that's being renewed every day. Help us, Father, in this world, and it is tough. Help us to continue to look above the line. Seek that which is above the line. Tomorrow when we're at work and everybody starts barking and all this stuff starts happening, help us take a deep breath and say, Jesus, I belong to you, and I'm just going to do my job, and I'm going to work for you, and I'm going to clock out. When I clock out, I'm going to go home and enjoy my family. And I'm going to worship you. Tough path, but you've given us the spirit to, to help us get there. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do as you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise his name. Stand together. How many are not too mad at me? Oh, I love Jesus so much, and I love the fact that he loves me so much, and he's never going to leave me or forsake me. He's never going to stop working with me. He's going to keep working with us until he, we get it right and we're standing before him. Isn't that wonderful to know? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Turn around. Bless somebody. Go forth praising him in Jesus' name.